welcome back to a 2022 edition of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I'm joined shirtless by the Jake Halbertius, a.k.a. Hal. Shit, wow. Wow, you just airing out my lack of laundry out here. Just... Ooh. Well, I wanted to compare you not wearing a shirt and just a robe, and I hope there's some lower <laughs> garments down there. Meanwhile, I got a brand new Kate Cunningham jersey. Yes. Let's go. You do. Yours, Christmas, yours might Christmas even be authentic. Mine mine is not. <laughs> mine is so authentic it has the actual like advertising patch. The, the, which I didn't realize was coming on it. The what is that? It's a United banking, uh, it's uh, one of one of MSU's billionaires. <laughs> I think. Uh, it's the former uh Izzo player, I can't think of the name at the moment, but but yes, so the, it was a good Christmas the guy season. Who paid and for looked, uh, what's his name's contract? Yep, and pretty much everything good at MSU at the moment <laughs> is a, a B. Uh, what's his name? Something. It's I. Ashiba. Sounds mm. close. I could be saying it wrong, which is customary. So. All right. All right. What do you miss over the Christmas break? Well, there's a whole new year, right? So that means that we get a whole new season and a whole new draft pick, and we're good now, right? Mm, something like that. Undefeated in 2022? Clearly it's a new team. 2-0. and um, so Best team in the NBA. <laughs> best team. Best team. Uh, beat the champions. That means we get the championship belt, right? That's how that works. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter. I think we, they actually did have it, and we have it now. Yeah. So... Uh, Everyone except for Corey Joseph has now returned from protocols uh, after that Bucks game. Uh, Isaiah Stewart was mm-hmm. the uh, the latest one. Corey Joseph actually re-entered, so that was kind of interesting. He must have like tested negative and then tested positive yeah. again, I assume. Um, so most of the team yeah. is back. Um, that means that the uh, the Grand uh, not Grand Rapids anymore the. Uh, Motor City Cruise guys or the Motor City Cruise uh, are now actually Motor City Cruise guys again. Um, the Pistons end their 16-game losing streak to the Bucks, uh, despite the mm. fact that the refs once again really tried to make that a thing. Uh, the Pistons and also beat both the Spurs of the games that we won. Yeah. Um, oh my God. And the refing uh, at the end of that end of the regulation of that Spurs game was brutal to watch. Oh. I didn't see that one live because I was out with family, but I watched it today at work, and oh my, <laughs> that was just inexplicable call after inexplicable. Like, there are calls that you don't usually see made in the NBA, let alone at the end of a game, and let alone to see like three right in a row. I was like, what? <laughs> that was one time where I'm like, maybe the league does have it. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing is that this year's Pistons are actually like a top 10 foul drawing team. So when you have multiple mm-hmm. games in a row where you're like getting doubled up in foul calls that that like Milwaukee literally doubled the Pistons until like they hacked a few times at the end of the game to like break that two times barrier that just really embarrassing stuff uh as always mm-hmm. from the NBA. Um All right, so let's get into uh kind of things we've seen from those it, it really just those two games. Uh, since we last potted. Um, started off with a player we don't talk that much about, Luca Garza. I thought he had a really good game <laughs> against the Spurs uh, in a really yeah, favorable he, matchup. It definitely was a matchup. But he's going against Portal, who's not going to kill you in terms of speed and athleticism. I love... So it was nice to see him 
find some I on the I love that zone. you tried that pronunciation. And I love that you Yoke gave Pertle. it the funky Pertle. the funky thing. You just got it like totally wrong. It's Pertle. Pertle, right? Pertle. Uh, yeah, I'm not. It's, it's not it's, that say, one, say turtle, but you say purr at the beginning. Purtle. Purtle. Yeah, I, get, I get where you're going with it. There you go. I'm not going to remember it in five minutes. But but I love that you called him Portal. <laughs> <laughs> MSU fan, my mind is kind of stuck on the transfer portal, okay? <laughs> I'm making a note here. Huge success. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking with Portal. It's hard huh? to overstate my satisfaction. All right, um... Jake's lost it. Anyways, moving on. I, I fucking love that song, man. It's so good. And it's just going to be in my head for like a month now that I've sang it once for like the first time in like six years. Um, You're like 12 things rotating out of your head. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought Luca like had a really nice game where Pirtle like wasn't able to contest him like athletically. Like he wasn't able to punish him athletically. Um, you know, the way like a Mitchell Robinson had the last couple games. And so we just, mm-hmm. you know, we saw Luca getting rebounds. We saw him, you know, scoring around the rim. We saw his screens having an impact. Um, you know, we saw him able to kind of sink and play in a drop. And he's also come up and done some hedging uh, in the last couple of games. Um, mixed results. Hedging is just like a terrible base defense to use in the NBA. So, you know, if you spring it on somebody a couple of possessions in a row, it's pretty good. You try and do it for... 80 possessions in a row and you're going to get carved up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, it, you know, uh, I was, I was on the lockdown Pistons pod, um, two days ago now, like the third, I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. you know, talking with, with Kukahil about this and just like, I'm still not a Garza fan. Obviously that's yeah. not my thing, but we are starting to see like, he can be the third big in a rotation as long as like you find the favorable matchups and stuff, and as long as you have like a, you know, um, Lyles isn't obviously your ideal, like second slash third five on the roster, mm-hmm. but like if you have a Lyles or if you have even a Jeremy Grant type player, um, or maybe like some of the draftees for this year, if you have one of those guys at the four, just like take certain matchups, like maybe Luca as a third center can take other matchups and like be effective. So I, I do think that's a valuable, you know, stuff to yeah, see from it's, this. It's definitely a good sign that when he when he gets minutes in the right matchup, it does help. Because, like you said, the Knicks matchup the day before, or the game before, I think was probably the worst it performance was he's had all year. It was tough. And, I mean, it's going to be the worst matchup. He's going against, like, Mitchell Robinson, like, Taj Gibson, like, some really good, really athletic, really smart bigs. And... That's not the matchup for him. But against the Spurs, a team that kind of plays it slower, doesn't have any, you know, uber-athletic bigs, like, that's the spot for him, so. Well, I mean, we got, like, roasted by the Spurs um, just a couple games games ago. Um, Oh, no, that was a bad game. Let me double-check. I'm saying for him personally. I I think it was a bad game all around, but I wouldn't put that mainly on That was a 30-point loss to the Spurs. I think everybody played like (laughs) shit. Um, well, I mean, look at the roster that we had at the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pull. He was actually he only had... a minus 17, the best out of the starters, but he also yeah. played only 20 minutes because he had 20 points. That was actually more than I ever. Uh, he also but... fouled out. So, um, 
He was really bad yeah. in that game. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But, um, you know, again, it's it's one of those things where, like, we're learning, how do I put it? We know what he's bad at. Like, we get it. So what we need to learn mm-hmm. now is what can he be good at. And I don't think, you know, there's there's other players where we learn, you know, we, we, we look at them and we say, okay, here's where he can improve. I don't, I've, you know, I've said it before, I think Luca's a pretty finished product in that regard. Um, yeah. You know, and that's I. I feel bad about saying that every time, but like it's just it's true. He's. Uh, um, I want to get his age right. So he just turned twenty three. So like that's a pretty established player with a pretty established athletic profile. We get it. Um, so like unlike someone like Killian Hayes, where like I think there's a lot yet to see. It's now about all right. How does Luca fit the puzzle? You know, right now the same way you would look at him like a, a free agent signing, right? Not a rookie. Um, you know, there'll be some small improvements as he understands the game better, but these are really important minutes just to figure out those pieces to the puzzle. And I think we got some good ones out of him. So, uh, I've been critical in the past, so I figure we should give him some props for that. Yep. Yep. I was whelmed, but I thought, (laughs) you know, he wouldn't give it the chance. He had some good scores offensively. He was in the right place. I mean, he's... I think he's an NBA player, which I think is about the best compliment I can give Luca Garza. Okay. It might be a twelfth man, but I think he's an NBA player. He's got he's got enough skills. So you want to introduce our next uh, topic here? Oh my boy, my boy Sadiq, with the shot of the Pistons season, which is saying something because Cade tried to overcome him the next game, but. <laughs> I, I have replayed can... that Cade shot, which we'll talk about later, like, in my head, like, five times today. And, like, literally in meetings, people were like, Jake, Jake, Jake. <laughs> I was like, sorry, no, th- thinking about something else. And it was, like, always just Cade shooting threes. <laughs> but Yep, that was something where I saw last night, and I had heard it described on Twitter before I saw the actual clip. And I'm like, that was exactly how I thought it was going to happen. But most when I heard that he pulled up in Giannis and actually had the space and did it quickly. On, on Sadiq's shot... The nutmeg. Yep, here it is. The meg. <laughs> the nutmeg was my favorite. That was Walton, part. right? With the with the assist. That was Derek Walton Jr. Yes, and I, uh, a little uh, boy. a little uh, uh, deviation here. I have re- I really enjoyed Derek Walton Jr. Uh, yep. I, he needed to shoot a little more efficiently and like a little more aggressively at times. But like compared to Kojo, who just like, I mean, I think we're all just really bored of Kojo. Whether you like him or don't, I think everybody's pretty bored with it. Uh, Walton was like doing a really good job of like being kind of like a dynamic driver. He's not a great finisher because he's super small, um, mm-hmm. but he threw like literally ten no look passes per game while he was with us, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, I, I quite enjoyed the Derek Walton Jr. experience as a as a Michigan fan. I'm uh, I appreciate seeing him around a little bit. Uh, I kind of would have swapped him for Kojo at just about any time you want. <laughs> See, here is something that I don't think you're expecting, which is I've always liked Dirk Walton's game, and I'm kind of surprised he hasn't found a spot in the NBA. He's whether real it's bad like, on defense, like even for the Pistons. He's real, real bad, bad on defense, but there's a whole bunch of guys that are real bad on defense and still make it in the NBA. But I still remember, I want to say it was, God, who was on? he was on the Kings team when he was drafted. And it was him and another point guard. I think he went to the Heat. Let me check this. 
Maybe you maybe you remember. I I will give you credit if you remember better than I do. I I remember a stint on the Heat. Um, is he listed. I want to say he was originally on. I don't have it in front of me either. Uh, Derek Walton. But I want to say he was originally on the Kings. Miami no, to Clippers Miami. and that. Yep. Oh, I guess I'm remembering that wrong. But oh, I'm probably remembering the Clippers. But yeah, I think I saw. I was going to say Stauskas went to the Kings. Maybe you're remembering Stauskas a bit. Um, I don't think it was Stauskas. It was definitely Walton. But okay. Regardless, I know he's undersized. I know he's not, you know, great defensively. But I think he has enough talent where he should be more than just a fringe NBA player. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another run on another team after this 10-day is over. Because he's back on the drive now, correct? Uh, yeah, he's back on the drive. He has done some stuff overseas. Um, he's gotten some contracts overseas to play. So I think that's kind of where his... Uh, where he's going to make some money. And I, I think he, mm-hmm. um, I think kind of being in the G league is a good spot for him. Cause he's a good veteran presence. I know that he's, uh, he actually played with, um, uh, uh, Franz Wagner. Um, he was, he yep. was on Franz Wagner's team. Oh, like in Germany oh. before Franz Wagner came to Michigan. And so he told Franz, because at the time he was he was coming off his stint with the Heat, he told Franz Wagner, no, Juwan Howard's like a good dude, because that was, that was when Beeline left for the Cavs. So Beeline mm-hmm. leaves, Franz at the time was like, I'm due to like go to Michigan in like a week to like sign my letter of intent and like be introduced to Michigan and all this stuff. And he was like, okay, Derek, uh, what do you think about this Juwan Howard guy? And he, Derek was like, Juwan's awesome. You should like go play for Juwan Howard. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> you should go play at Michigan. And, you know, I don't think he needed a whole lot of convincing, but just kind of a fun little. Yeah, especially after his brother was already there. So, yeah. But, yeah, regardless, I think Kojo is probably still the better NBA player. So I don't know if I'd take Walton over him, even though he is the tank commander. Um, but still, I think he should find a spot somewhere there. So I just, I, one of the things I, I really like from Walton that I think we see from someone like Hamadou Diallo as well. It's just like he's he brought a lot of energy, right? Yep. There was just a lot of activity. And sometimes when you're in the doldrums of a third quarter, you know, having a guy who's like throwing no-look passes. And by the way, he doesn't throw them to be flashy. He throws them because that's the only way that he can like get the window open because like that's <laughs> yeah, how he needs to around. play. You know, it's a compensation method. But like whatever, do you. Um, you know, but just like, Having that kind of energy is is important, so I, I really appreciate that. But we got to go back to Sadiq and the absolute terror mm-hmm. that Sadiq is on. He has been on fire. I picked him up for fantasy basketball at the right time, and I am reaping the benefits. He has gone off. So over the last ten games, he's shooting forty three percent from the floor, thirty six from three, ninety three at the line, which is still pretty impressive because he's getting fouled a pretty decent amount, and then also putting up a casual. 23, 8, and 3. <laughs> like, what? So, what? I know some of this is inflated because everyone else has been out with COVID, but like. Yeah, he's, he's also damn. played 39 minutes a game in that stretch, which is obscene. Uh, and had an overtime game in there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah he's, he's been putting. He's been solidly like 40 minutes for the past like two weeks. And something that's really important so. here is a plus minus of like one, minus one and a half here. Where, like, he yeah. was probably, like, a minus six for the first bit of the season. Like, it was bad. Um, a reminder that the Pistons' margin of victory has been, I think, about negative 9.8 for most of the season. A couple wins has mm-hmm. hopefully improved that. But, 
Um, what, what stands out to you most about that stat line? You're saying in terms of like what stands out the most? I would say honestly the like actual shooting from two. So I feel like that's something where his three point shot it's always kind of there and it it, it it kind of waxes and wanes, but the way he's been attacking the rim and going, you know, getting to the basket, getting fouled has been insane. Like he's there are games where he's getting like ten fouls, which was not something he was doing at all earlier in the year. Which now part of that, of course, is going to be Jeremy Grant's out. He's going to get a lot more, you know focus sure. but it's also him going to the hole and getting fouls and like being aggressive which i hope that stays hopefully the headband uh sneak aggressiveness stays well yeah i mean that's when... what stands out right he's wearing the headband <laughs> yeah, exactly. I lo- yeah. did you did you see his, that's what you uh, want to go for the cheap answer he uh he had a uh, interview today and he uh talked to the beat writers and james he, and he was just like hey uh you know it's it's total coincidence and i was like you would you would lie to us you would lie to us straight <laughs> to our faces you would lie to me personally about the headband like come on man we all know what this is um i enjoy msu's uh beat writer colton for football uh was saying like <laughs> subscribe to the athletic and get all of james edwards takes on cookies and headbands <laughs> that's what we're here for that's the content i'm looking for but I think the other interesting thing is you, you were talking about two-point percentage. Um, you know, you said his, his overall field goal percentage there, um, you know, which the overall field goal is 43%. But he's actually, if I'm reading this right, he's at about four out of uh, seven and a half shots from two-point range. I'm, i got to do the math in my head because obviously you only get field goals and three points. But I think that's four out of like seven and a half. So, like, I think he's over 50% from two. I think that's actually being driven down by the volume of of threes he's taken um yeah it's not giving me a proper percentage for some reason um i don't know what yeah, is going I, on here this, this is That's one of those things where it. we got to do like the the research on the on the fly but um yeah. I, I mean that's I just was, really important because again this is the dude who was shooting 40 percent on twos you know shooting like sub 55 percent at the rim um you know, I don't know if I can pull at the rim stats for the last 10 years. I'd have to do that later. But he's, uh, you know, the big thing that stands out to me is the amount of, of fouls he's drawing. I mean, it's yep. it's it's just, it's very noticeable. He's gained that, uh, that kind of like football carry gather where you like put both hands around it off the gather and just rip it up to the rim. Um, you know, he's finishing going to the rim a lot more than he was fading away. He's not doing the, the like the the drive into a post up into a two dribble like crab dribbles a panic another crab dribble and then like a fadeaway you know that was the sh- the shit we were complaining about early in the season and he's cut all that out he's being a lot more decisive uh and he's and he's drawing you know six free throws a game almost and converting them uh significantly better than he's converting from three at 93 percent which is a good good thing to see so um just, I think that's really yeah. impressive from him. Yeah, in the last 10 games, he's gotten uh, five or more free throws, which essentially means you're getting at least, what, two, like, that's a good three regular f- free throws. Three and shooting one. fouls, or like at a, least. Yeah, like, unless it's on a three. But he's gotten that six times in the past 10 games. Prior to that point in this year, like, for the rest of the year, he's done it twice. Yeah. Like, that shows you the aggressiveness that he has in... The last ten games versus the first twenty five games. Yeah, that that tracks. That definitely tracks. And uh yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing is he uh we're seeing some some much smarter um 
just play, I think, off like the triple threat. He's doing a lot better job mm-hmm. of drawing guys onto him and getting his shoulders past somebody to just like start his drives. You know, he's not trying to uh, to win the drive late. He's trying to win the drive kind of at the point of at the first contact, which is just one of those like things you gain with experience and in, in doing this for a while. Um, just all in all, you know, he's he's trimming out a lot of the bullshit. And he's he's just being mm-hmm. a lot smarter, and I think he's he's done some good work fundamentally, and we're seeing, you know, once again the Sadiq that like yeah this dude can be a starting three for your team or a starting four for your team when you're actually you know, in winning time. I think we're seeing stuff that's that's pretty sustainable and pretty scalable, and uh, and not just like being a starter in winning time, like being a productive player on both sides of the floor in winning time. And being someone you want to have on your team as a 3 and D wing. So everything that we were hoping would kind of continue on from last year, Sadiq, that wasn't really showing up in the first 20-25 games is here in full force here for the last 10. So yeah, hopefully I, he can keep it up. I think the other big thing to point out up. is that he's taking nine three-point attempts uh, per game, Yeah, which is really <laughs> good because he was turning down a lot of threes that he could have been taking. I think we're seeing him be a little more assertive about just pulling the trigger. Uh, so all, all good things for him. Moving on to the other star of the show for the last couple games here, Hamadou Diallo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we saw a little bit of some concerning regression. Not not just, in, I mean, we all expected regression in productivity when guys came back, but a regression in like the style of use he was getting in that Bucks game. Is that is that something you saw as well, or? Yeah, I mean, the Bucks game definitely wasn't as great as we've seen him in the prior games, but what I really liked was the way he was moving the ball on that, and he wasn't letting the ball just stop with him. And where I felt like earlier in the year where he was getting kind of the spot minutes, he was getting off the bench for like a run or two, he was a little more, I would say, aggressive and not as open to passing it. But I feel like after the stretch that he's been on, he's been very you know, good about moving the ball, good about getting people uh, you know, open and... My God, is he even good at getting to the basket and like kicking out? Yeah, it's... which that one not as much in the Bucks game, but uh, definitely in the games prior to that. Well, I mean, he he had five assists in the Bucks game, five assists to one yeah, turnover. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I I was you know he uh, I thought he was taking some some worse pull ups and trying to force some things. I I said um. Maybe it was last pod. Maybe it was when I was uh, potting with Koo. I can't remember. But I said I thought that this was a, kind of a sustainable style of play from him. And I'm kind of wondering if it is or not. Um, just the, kind of seeing him have some stylistic regressions here. I don't think he was getting the same opportunities to just like run his own high pick and rolls and, and attack and slash as much. And I'm wondering how much you know, his own volume of touches makes him comfortable, you know, and that's just something he's going to have to figure out is how to keep doing this stuff while he's, you know, getting, you know, he's, he's got to do it while he's getting six shots a game instead of 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's definitely going to be a tough spot and maybe something that he's been struggling with because when he was doing better earlier in his career, like that first um, year or two on the thunder, I, I mean, it's uh, I've lost track of where I'm going with the stakes, but uh, he was. 
<laughs> I lost my train of thought midway through that. So talk about something else before I try and get it back. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I also, I wanted to point out something for him, which is that I think he's been a little better defensively on the ball. Um, I think in general, the Pistons oh, yeah. were just like schematically uh, being too aggressive. And I think that came from coaching. Um, and he's a guy that like, if you let him overplay, he's going to overplay like freaking crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think he's been a little more stable on the ball. His off-ball defense is terrible. Um, it's really bad. Uh, he's he's not attentive enough at all. Um, when he's on a corner shooter, when he's got a real responsibilities to pay attention to, it's bad. But yep. his on-ball defense was also a bit overrated, and I think he's he's really starting to live up to his reputation now. Um, just just because he's he's trusting i think him his reactions a little more instead of trying to to just jump every passing lane and i think we are seeing still that when he wants to just like destroy you he can uh, there mm-hmm. was the play uh, i'm pretty sure it was against the bucks where he like came down he took a pull up uh, at the free throw line that was just not a good pull up um i think he thought he had more space than he did and i think he just wanted to get a shot up um, and he, he bricked it real bad and he, and it was like a one V five fast break, just a really bad shot. But then he comes down strips. Uh, I would assume drew holiday. I can't remember who he stripped, but he strips drew holiday and then quick flips the steel out to sneak Bay for a dunk. And, you know, it's just like the ability to turn around and like make an impact defensive play was, was good to see. That's, you know, you can't, uh, I don't think we can expect like consistent, perfection from Hami. That's just not who he's going to be, but you have to mm-hmm. expect the effort. And, uh, you know, so we, I hope we keep seeing that and I hope we keep, I hope we figure out ways to give him, you know, six to 10 looks a game, you know, that are the looks he wants to take. Cause we saw, <laughs> you know, they put a yeah. lot of pressure on teams and they're also just like, there is, a hard to quantify but really important value to having a guy dunk on somebody in mid game. <laughs> like, yep. The, the... Or also another thing that I think Ami brings is my God, is his lateral like his lateral quickness. I think is unmatched in this Pistons team. He can like his back and forth and a crossover and just going by you were like a simple juke that we saw. I want to say it was against the Spurs, where uh, Pertle. Did I say it right? Close enough. Yeah. So he had uh, Pirtle matched up against that him. That was better. <laughs> and just, yeah, I, was a little, I wasn't trying to sound it out. <laughs> and just absolutely shook him to the basket. Yeah. And he didn't even, and he, like. He loves that. Uh, it was effortless. That, like, back out where he, like, fakes the that back little, out like, on the wing and then just, like, does, like, the left to right crossover and just smashes it on your face. He loves that one. Yep. Uh, I was, I was, definitely this was a coup thing I was talking to him about, but uh, we've seen before um, you know, our non-shooting wings, Seku and, and Stanley, right? Both guys, they get parked in the corner and we're like, this is bad. They're, they're not comfortable there. Uh, Hami's kind of unique in that he's a non-shooting wing who's really comfortable in that space. He's he's totally fine dribbling, you know, tiptoeing the baseline and then just like still getting, you know, a dunk off. Um, and so it's interesting, mm-hmm. like when everyone's back and we're trying to figure this offense out, do you put him in the weak side corner on a pick and roll so that he just has kind of an empty wing and he's not a shooter. So his spacing is going to be different, but he has a lot of space to drive. 
I, yeah. I don't. I mean, I'd love that because. I, well, and like the way it's a it's a tough question because if he doesn't have sh- shooting gravity, then you're going to impact the pick and roll. But I, I think there are ways maybe we can put him in those positions. Go ahead. But the thing with that is that you know when you have that weak side shooter that's going to be a three point shooter, you got your Clay Thompson, your whoever the heck over there in the corner. <laughs> the guy Thompson. is going to be. Constantly... I wish we had Clay Thompson. I'll, yeah, I'll exactly. take Clay Thompson without here. an Achilles. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's coming back this next week. It's pretty so. close, but, yeah. But anyways, when you have that guy sitting in the corner, the guy on defense is always focused on where he's at. He's always looking behind, and he's trying to see, am I the right amount away where I have to jump back and get to where you know, where he's at? But the thing that Hami does, instead of just standing in that corner, it's like you said, he kind of sneaks along the baseline. All of a sudden, that guy looks back, and he's not where he's supposed to be, and Hami's getting a dunk on him, or getting an easy layup, or setting someone else up. So that's something where I kind of like the creativity with that, and it's a little bit different than the NBA today, which is just can I get this corner three off before you know a hand gets in my face? Yeah. Which me is just like watching basketball. I kind of like that a little bit better than just two guys sitting in the corners waiting to try and get an open three. Which I, is the, I also think a lot like, of the uh, NBA today. I think you can do some fun things like have him. Um, you can have him in the corner where if you like run your your um, like your Spain sets. And you have the shooter that flares mm-hmm. up top. You have the shooter flare above Hami. So you have, you know, two people moving, and that gives him an interesting yep. cutting lane to kind of move around in the chaos, that kind of thing. Um, and that's a, pl- yep. that's a situation where you can put him in the weak side and then, you know, put rotations to him and, and get some interesting movement there. I, it'll, I, I, mm-hmm. Dwayne Casey's not the coach that I expect to, like... <laughs> try a lot of this yeah. stuff but I, I do really he will not be the one taking advantage of it no. i do really hope that we see somebody kind of craft some stuff for homie um and and figure this out because it, it's a bigger problem right among the league we just mentioned it with uh with stanley and and seiku right these these wings that provide you know at least theoretically provide utility that aren't used because they can't shoot there's got to be a way to use them i think the spain mm-hmm. pick and rolls are a good a good start um but just there's there's too many of these players, and they're too good at basketball for the league to just leave them by the yeah. wayside because they're they're thirty four percent shooters. Well, in Stanley's case, it looks like LeBron's going to figure it out for him. So we'll see no, what no, happens no. with that. He's going to figure it out for LeBron. You take that back. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Moving on. I love What's having Stanley back in the league so much. He was fun to watch in that uh, Christmas Day game. He was going at it. <laughs> he was fun to watch in the G League, too, because he would just smash it. He was just, like, very clearly way too fucking good for the G League. <laughs> yeah. The G League is just something where it's just unfair for the, him. Were, I watched, I think, two of their games versus the, the Ignite. Um, and he would he was just, like, saucing these poor, like, 19-year-olds that had no idea how to play defense. Just, like, absolutely hand-one mixtaping them. It was so much fun. <laughs> It's like, I don't know how to shoot a quarter three. Who cares? I'm yamming it in your Doesn't face. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Finger rolls, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, speaking of fun stuff, yes. transitions. <laughs> uh, Cade. That's what you came here for. Finally back. Finally out yep. of protocols. Uh, against Milwaukee, <laughs> a team that has uh, is A, just like custom built to ruin everyone's day. And yep, B just the hardest has had our number. Uh, I, I think actually, Rutgers just got their first win against Michigan in 16 games, and I think this was the Pistons' first win against 
Milwaukee in 16 games. Just a, a, a I believe it was 16 games. It felt like about 74. <laughs> so. I can't believe it was only 16. That 16 games must stretch back to like the Brandon Jennings years somehow. Like I don't, I don't, under, I don't know when we last got a win. Now I'm really curious about this. Like, I know I don't have the time I'm, to look it up. <laughs> I, I'm blanking. Was it Utah or the Bucks? The game we saw. Uh, the New Year's Day, which was like the day I got back into basketball. Not the Spurs, personally, but it was not. Play. We've we did see the Spurs. We saw the Spurs. the Spurs. That was the second game you and I attended together. I think it was the Jazz. I don't think it was. I think it was, it was the Jazz. Jazz. But it was it was one of those bad teams. I just remember we won, and we <laughs> had time. no business winning that game. Um, it might have been the Bucks. That was. Uh, we looked this up like once every five months. I'm surprised we haven't remembered what the, the game is. I'm almost always able to find it because it's a Pistons win on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. doesn't matter. Um, so we get, a, we get a good game out of Cade, and I think that was really important to just see, like, to have a good game against the Bucks, you have to be a good player. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't happen by accident. Cade comes out, is, uh, has 19, uh, 4, and 7, um, Five turnovers is is rough. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, again, I mean, it's the box. It's the box. <laughs> um, mind you, uh, Killian God Hayes had four damn, to you're two. You're right. It was the Bucks. Right. Sorry, that might have been yeah. the last time we ever won at the against the Bucks. <laughs> it was 2012. 13. The day before, 2013. You positive on that? Uh, I think so. Sorry, so. I'm going off of, but I want to say Monte Ellis was playing Villanova. for the Bucks at that time. It's it's, uh, it's it was Andre Drummond's rookie year. It was Andre Drummond's rookie year. Okay, well, mm-hmm. because I, I, I remember sitting next to you going, "Who's the good players on the team?" Because at that point in time, I had no fucking clue what like basketball was. I'd been out of the game for like six years, and uh, his rookie year was in 2012. So yep, it was okay. the 2012 game. I was right. 2012 against the stop Bucks. Trying to, <laughs> stop trying to Ta- disagree with Tayshawn Prince had uh, like 18 points. I remember and just, was our leading scorer. Austin Day played. It's a the, bad the only thing I remember distinctly about that game. Was Charlie V had a couple threes, and they were throwing out T-shirts for it. No, because he had like for the, two in for a the row record, the like, most interesting thing about that game was that I was able to buy like a liter of soda and refill it for free like four times. I loved that Palace Soda deal so much. <laughs> that was the best. I think I got four or five like thick boy sodas. Yeah. For like five dollars, those, those fucking like Speedway cups, where they were like, "If you bring it back, we'll refill it." It was like, "Absolutely, I'm doing that." Oh no, I got five because I got one each quarter, and then I got one on the way out by like the only stand that was open. Exactly, I was, I was just like pure sugar. We, we drove your parents' uh, suburban home in like the yep. worst snowstorm of all time. It was awful. Was, I think that was Sunday. the first time I'd met most of your friends in person. And I also run won the uh, Rodney Stuckey jersey from tennis camp uh i don't think stucky played in that no game. no that must yep. have been the spurs game we picked off from tennis camp yeah that sounds about right that sounds right because that would have been a summer thing either way good day I, it's amazing it's, it's amazing that a shit pistons team game against a shit uh uh bucks team somehow managed to convince me that basketball was worth like Devoting the rest of my life to, <laughs> and here we are, ten days later, a week away from that's, the day. That's like that's like the marrying the three you meet at the bar while you're like absolutely toasted. 
I mean, when you get to watch Monte Ellis, Brandon Jennings, and Larry Saunders play, what more do you want? Larry Saunders, please stop. We got some Drew Larry Gooden. Saunders. Ersan <laughs> Ilyasova was there. Drew Gooden. How do you pronounce Ilyasova right, but not Larry Luke Sanders? <laughs> All right, we need to get back to the point. We're way off, and no one cares about this. These are the let's, best. Let's Oh, uh, anyway, <laughs> no, I'm still laughing. <laughs> you can take Technical something while I just I have to finish. <laughs> Cade Cunningham is very good at basketball, and it's good to see him back on the court. This after is not helping me like stop weeks. laughing. Cade Cunningham is very good at this basketball. Is, is, your, is, your, is your one-liner to pick this up while I'm, while I'm busy? <laughs> I was I didn't know what we were talking about still. <laughs> we're checking it off the sheet. <laughs> when we talk about assists, folks, my host doesn't give me any. <laughs> you dribbled the ball to my knees. What do you want from me? He's he's asking for a kicked ball. There's nobody around. <laughs> uh, you sound like a maniacal like wizard right now. I don't know why Wizard was the thing that popped in my head. Oh, it's a long it. day. <laughs> um, okay, so Cade, great game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, da, 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 da. Importantly, I think we're seeing... I was worried about the, the three-point shot maybe being a struggle coming back from uh, COVID. Uh, worried maybe you know his, his endurance would be a problem. Didn't seem like that was a, an issue for in either case. Yeah. Uh, sauced, he kind of picked right up where he left off, I think. Sauced Giannis for three uh, once, managed <laughs> to uh, to get to the rim a couple times. I, a, a, just a really good, positive yeah. game from Cade. Um, mm-hmm. Closed the game It wasn't like strong. the flashiest game in terms of like scoring or like shooting or anything like that, but just one of those like really solid, like he can do everything. He's just a solid, reliable player. So I don't like... Evan Mobley, I know, is just tearing it up right now, and good. I'm happy for the Cavs. You know, they needed something, but I still like Cade more as a prospect and what he brings to the table, and it's games like that where he's not, he's just coming back. He's not maybe in the group of playing. He still goes out there and gets, like, 20 and 7. Yeah, this is so. this is one of those things that we have to, like, I have it in my Around the League section down here below. Uh... People stop fucking talking about Cade as a twenty percent three point shooter. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, did none yeah. of you know that he turned his ankle? In the, like, I've heard this on national ESPN podcasts. I've heard this on like draft podcasts where people are like, ah, I might have to draft like Cade fifth this draft because like he's not doing so hot. And it's like, what? <laughs> he yeah. he came into the season hurt and he's had COVID and and he's been awesome. What are you talking about? Uh, the the three point shot. Somebody was like, "Oh, he shot like twenty one percent on uh, pull ups." And I was like, "That's because like he shot like twelve pull ups in like his first two games, and they all bricked because he had a fucked up ankle." He's fine. He's shooting yeah. uh, like thirty six percent from three right now. Since then, like he's fine. Uh, wow, you literally got that. I I was pulling up that stat as you were talking. If you take out the first three games of the year, the Orlando-Milwaukee-Philly games, where he was kind of like not quite himself before he got into a groove, he's shooting 36% after those three games from three. I did look it up over lunch, so uh, it's on. I, I had his, uh, his... Is that his pull-ups or just his threes? That's just on threes. I had his pull-up shooting at 1.2. Uh, 
but I, uh, I don't know if I can find that easily. Doesn't look like uh, it. Sources say you will not find it easily. No, I, I will not. So, um, it doesn't matter. The point is, like, context is everything when you're talking about players. And if you're going to talk about the number one overall pick, you probably should have, like, mm-hmm. not even, like, this even isn't even, like, a watch the game thing. But, like, you should fucking watch the games. Cade's awesome. It's like a mm-hmm. check Woj's Twitter and find out that he had an ankle sprain. Like, pay attention to, like, yeah. the basics thing. So You could check the game log and see that he missed, like, the first six games of the year. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not going to be healthy coming in if you missed the first six games for something other than COVID. And even still, even with COVID, like... He's a rookie. It's year one. I don't care where he was picked number one. I don't care that Mobley's been on fire. I'd rather have the six eight guy who can do like, it all I, versus. For the, the record, I don't think I don't think people taking Mobley like number one is a crazy take. I don't think that's that's crazy at all. You know, um, I, I think we I, both said that at the time, but I'd still rather have Cade. You know? Right, I, I'm still very happy Personally. with Cade. Like I said, I've said before, Cade and Evan Mobley are like my two favorite draft picks from like the last like ten drafts. Like it's hey, like Anthony. You Davis were raving about Mobley, and like, like you that's were, the only other guy. <laughs> yeah. So like, and that's not I think crazy to thought. be like Evan Mobley is awesome because Evan Mobley is awesome. Let's just slow down on like there were people who were like ah you know it's like Franz Wagner and Jalen Green. You know I still want to bet on Jalen Green. It's like if you're gonna knock Cade, you gotta knock Jalen Green. Like his team went on like a five game winning streak yeah. as soon as he left. Come on, guys. Uh, yeah, no, I want nothing near Jalen Green at all. Uh, Miss me on that. I, I don't. I mean, Jalen Green's fine. I just, what are we doing? This is. I don't think he's a bad player, but I just don't think he's nearly as good as like Cade or Mobley or even like a Scotty Barnes. Honestly, personally, so, it's early. There's a lot of time. All right, so uh, yeah, we're just we're happy to see Cade back. Um, I was happy to see Killian back, but then he gets hurt again. Uh, maybe sprained his foot. They said he was probable to come back in the game. Probably should have come back in the game when they started hacking Hami. Yeah. Uh, that was a weird coaching decision. Um, I just hope that, like, he gets ten games healthy, hits a few threes. Like, we were, we've were, we been tracking really positively in different sections because he keeps hurting different parts of his body. <laughs> and it would be really nice if we just yeah. got, like, ten healthy games so that he could put something together and, like... I want a stat that shows, like, yeah, he was, you know, the one 10-game stretch he was healthy. He was putting up, you know, 15, 7, and 7 for a stretch. Like, that. I, can we just get that once? Um, mm-hmm. Not a whole lot to talk to about uh, for him in the Bucks game, though. I think it was a pretty average killing game. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. One more Pistons player came back. Josh Jackson decided to go Josh 5 Jackson? of 7 from 3. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like an obscene. He came out ready to go. <laughs> uh, Twenty-four points on thirteen shots. Are you are you buying this as like any kind of a thing? I mean, I would love to hope it's going to stay, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I would love he's to hope. shoot seventy percent from the field. <laughs> I too would love hope. I've, I don't think that's going to be quite sustainable. For him to put up that, but um, I w- I do think it's interesting to kind of see, especially because like Josh has been kind of out with COVID and everything else, and in that time, Hami has just like taken off like a rocket ship. 
So I think seeing the dynamic between those two will be really interesting because I still feel like they're kind of similar players. They're kind of going for the same type of minutes. Yep. And Hami's made a pretty good case. And let's see if Josh Jackson can make his case. Is there any he shipped off to somewhere like Atlanta? Is there any part of you that would bring him back next year if he's if they don't trade him? I mean, I'm assuming at this point he might get wrapped into something just as like, you know, here's the um, trade like the roster ballast maybe just so you don't have to cut somebody kind of thing. Um, I don't think he has much value on his own since he hasn't played much. But would you bring him back for a third season if you know you just had to pay him two and a half million? I mean, for that price, I think he's got the talent. I don't see why you wouldn't bring him back. Just to be your 12th man? I think it just depends on... It depends a lot on what the roster construction is looking like and what I mean, <laughs> what Josh does over the next bit. I still think that he could probably be someone that'll end up being like put packaged into a trade. It's just where his salary's at. It's expiring $5 million. Like, Hami's on a two-year deal. Like He's the most likely much... guy where if they trade Jeremy Grant... You know, I think Josh is on like a again a two and a half million something like that, three million something like that. Um, Josh on five. Is he on five already? Okay. So is Kojo actually now that I'm looking at it as well. So good for him. Um, but he's still, I think, a guy where if you trade Jeremy, he's an easy roster balancer. You can be like, here's another rotational contributor, even if he, maybe not a top eight guy on your roster, but maybe an eleventh man who actually gets some run. Uh, yeah, especially if we're going to try and eat some salary on the way, like, if we're getting salary on the way back, like a max guy that someone else doesn't want. Yeah, I think I think, I think together Grant they, they make kind of an int- a nice enough package, so. Yep, um, that's 25 right I, there. I don't I mean, see There's going to be a playoff team that'll want him. I don't see him being on the roster next year, but I, I'm just, I, I do want to root I don't for him. See it, I, but wanna, I, I want to root for the hometown I guy. I, I think there's definitely like a legitimate energy he brings to the arena. I think you see fans kind of respond to him. We talked about it earlier with, uh, oh, yeah. with Hami, right? The guys who make impact plays, uh, it's basically all Josh does. <laughs> It'd be nice <laughs> yeah. if he made some normal plays every now and then. Uh, they're basically all either peaks or valleys, but uh, I, you yep. definitely see a crowd respond to that. Um, yeah, and I think, I think he's definitely someone who, if you're giving the teams the option of, do you want Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson or Corey Joseph, they're going to want Josh Jackson like nine times out of ten, unless they're just Probably. cutting that spot anyway. So I think most teams, unless you're talking about like the Cavs who don't have any point guards and they're like desperately trying to get Rajon Rondo. So. <laughs> Poor guys. I <laughs> felt bad when uh, Rubio went down. Yeah, that's I, brutal. I'm quite a Rubio Losing- fan. Losing Rubio and Sexton the same season is rough. Less sad about For Sexton. For a team that is looking so good. Not a Sexton fan. No, but it's his final year. I mean, it's still sad it's, for it's him, tough to see the person, him. but... It, yeah. it, I'm not dying to lose his impact. I, I, I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it's interesting how they're good as soon as uh, Colin Sexton stopped taking 20 shots a game. It's, it's interesting how they found that yeah. out. Evan Mobley may, maybe has some be. credit for that, but... <laughs> I would say so as well. <laughs> um... Just a, a couple more quick ones here. Uh, I wanted to talk about Trey Lyles. I feel like he's getting a bad rap. Uh, yep. And this is from somebody who was like, oh, God, why are we signing Trey Lyles? But, like, he's not supposed to play center. <laughs> like, he was definitely not <laughs> signed to play any minutes at the five nope. ever. So, nope. like, I feel like we're certain people are like, ah, we can't play defense when Trey Lyles is at the five. And it's like, ah, why would you expect that? Like, 
he's not a great positional defender as a four. He's all right. He's just like he's a rotational tenth man. Fine. Like I, I, I don't get why. Like it's kind of like Luca Garza. Like I'm trying not to complain about Luca Garza's defense because like it's Luca. Gar- like I don't have expectations. We've already established what he is. Um. Mm-hmm. The other thing though was like I think he's doing a lot more positives than he's getting credit for. Like he actually makes smart rotations. He's not long or like athletic enough to like contest things at the rim, but like he makes rotations. Uh, yep. He's shown he's definitely putting the effort there. Yeah, he's shown like he's a good short roll passer. Uh, I think a lot of people blame him for like he's a guy who's taking a lot of shots, and like it's because the defenses <laughs> are encouraging him to shoot. They're just sticking mm-hmm. to everybody on the perimeter and be like, hey, if you want to slip to the rim and finish over somebody, try it. And like, they're not good shots, but they're the shot that like you're supposed to take because that's what the defense is good. Like, this is kind of why I didn't want to sign Trey Lyles and that like there's no there's no uh, leverage creation skills. Right, he doesn't really have a thing to hang his hat on. He's not a good enough shooter to do much though. His pump fake somehow. Like Jonas Valanciunas levels of bite for, like no reward. Though JV is now a good shooter, but uh, yeah, just just a, a an interesting thing, I guess. That I I find it interesting yeah. that people have been so quick to like blame him for everything. Yeah, I feel like he's been shockingly solid. I would say, in the games we've seen, especially like you said, he wasn't supposed to play a five. He was supposed to be a four, and he's getting thrust into this role. And on a bad team, and with a bunch of young guys, and he's looked pretty solid. So, I think we've gotten everything we can expect out of Trey Lyles and more. And I like Trey Lyles. I love his shot. It's just so... Ah, I just like how smooth it is. (laughs) You're such a fucking sicko. Uh, Real quick before we move on. First of all, I want to go back um, and take away some of the Colin Sexton slander. No. Uh, The Cavs were 7-4 and with him. And they are... What did I say... Uh, 14 and 12 without him. So they were better with him than without him, record-wise. Also, it's his goddamn birthday. Be nice to him. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, it's, uh, I didn't know the basketball reference, but happy birthday next to someone's birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. I don't enjoy watching you play basketball. Uh... This is a topic that will that will uh, hit very close to your heart, though. Just kind of a fun Bryn Forbes game against the Spurs. 27 points on 22 That's NBA shots. champion Bryn Forbes. <laughs> Put some respect on the name. One ring. <laughs> uh, 27 points, 22 shots. 10, uh, 10 shots for threes. I think he hit five? I didn't write that down. But just like yeah. a really good example of like a guy who's not a traditional NBA player, right? Like a good shooter, but like not a good defensive like anything yep. <laughs> a good good shooter like, not that a good athlete but a guy who is like just figured out how to use his own like his own leverage generation right i'm a good shooter which means people are going to close out on me and he's like built a good drive and kick game out of it uh and i just i look at him and i see something that like somebody like sadiq can can look at that and be like this is how i can leverage my skills you know um just yep. i i just I, I i love looking at guys like Bryn forbes where like if you'd asked me that draft, I would have been like, Britton Forbes is probably not an NBA. Like, he's going to make bank overseas because obviously he was a good shooter. But, like, I didn't I didn't see yep. an NBA pathway. And it's it's always interesting when guys like him carve one out because they're just – they figure mm-hmm. out how to put it all together. Yeah. And, I mean, I say NBA champion, but it's not like he was 
not playing for the Bucks. Like no, he, he, got he some played. I think in every single playoff game. Yeah. He was starting for the Spurs two years prior to that. Like he's been more than just like carving a role. Like he's been a very good NBA player, and I think he's kind of had a bit of an off year. I would say with San Antonio this year in terms of just it's a bad team. It's he's coming off the bench. Like there's only so much you can expect out of that. But I still think he's a player that I I hope for his sake gets traded to another playoff team at the end of the year, and he will be someone that can come off the bench and make shots and find a way to get you know other people open in a way that we definitely didn't expect coming out of college. Yeah. All right. Uh, one quick general topic here. We've talked Miles Turner for Jeremy Grant uh, probably a couple times on this podcast. We've got two other things yep. that have been floating around, and I wanted to gauge. I, I've been pretty vocal on Reddit and stuff about my opinions, but how would you feel about the, the Bulls trade, which is probably something along the lines of Patrick Williams, Derek Jones Jr., and personally I'd be I'd be asking for their pick because their pick's probably something in the 25 range, so I think that's pretty fair. Well, I think it's either, if I remember correctly, the trade I sent you actually had the uh, Trailblazers pick. That one which, is probably if I remember, not conveying. I think it's one Well, if 14. I remember correctly, I don't... With that, I don't think they can trade a pick, if I remember correctly. Um, I think they have already traded... The Bulls can. The, the Ted Sepian. Because this Bulls is have. their... It's the current um, pick now. Even though, even though they traded next year's pick? Yeah. I lose track of this. Because you, you can't trade them consecutively until it's like the active pick, is, is how I understand it. I believe their pick gotcha. is, is now eligible because it's this year's pick. Oh, Gotcha. Yeah, I guess that would I make Because like, so it passes weird, all the trade machine rules that I've thrown at it, so... Um. I mean, so far that's been the draft or bleh, draft. That's been the trade that I felt like has made me most intrigued. More so than James Turner. Article the other day. More so than Turner because Turner doesn't fit our timeline, and I feel like I disagree with that. But Jeremy, Jeremy for Turner, I feel like is a very you know equal trade. You're just, and I don't think, and on yes, top of that, that's I don't what think makes it good, Jeremy Grant. <laughs> but yes, but I just don't see the. I don't see the Pacers doing it. I don't see the Pistons doing it. I just if the if the Pacers were good this year and Turner was like not working out, then yeah, I could see that. But I don't. Uh, I I just rather you know see what Isaiah Stewart can do and just see if he can be like the center that we want. Because do you think Stewart would play alongside Turner? No, he'd be he'd finally get the actual established bench role that he should be in. I I I, yeah, I don't see there's ever a I I I don't think even if even if Stewart becomes a three point shooter I don't see starter in him I just don't and I never have so uh, I still think that regardless of where we go from here you need to find uh, your center option and I think that this draft will probably present you with a couple of good ones. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm just we'll be able to talk about later. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I I love the Turner fit. A yeah. whole lot. Um, I, I would still be pretty happy with Pat Williams, Derek Jones Jr. in a pick. I would try and flip Derek Jones Jr. into another pick. Maybe get the two seconds yeah, or, the or another late one. Um, the one mm-hmm. sad thing would be that Pat Williams has a broken wrist, fingers. I can't remember yeah, exactly what it is. It's a hand it's, thing. I know it's on his non-shooting hand, but yeah. Um, so he, so he wouldn't play, which yeah. is kind of a problem because he is kind of in a really crucial development uh, kind of year. He was very young 
and he's had some very rocky performances. So uh, a really talented guy. But uh, yeah, that that is Regardless, definitely like one of the I'm most gambly deals because you're you're definitely betting the house on a guy that uh, uh, Troy Weaver definitely liked in the draft. We heard a lot of Pat Williams noise in that draft. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I wouldn't say we're betting the house on it. We're <laughs> no, especially if we get a pick back as well. Like it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's anything too crazy. I think if you compare it to the other deals, I think that one has a lot more variance in it than either the Turner deal or the one we'll get to next, which I is... I it does, but I feel like Turner just doesn't fit in well with... I, I have like, the Pistons are at. I think he's I think he's someone who wants... He's said it this much. He's sick of you know, playing a backseat to Sabonis. But he wouldn't He wouldn't he's, be he's taking a backseat. Like, he'd be the number he one... He wouldn't be taking a backseat, like, no, but... Like, role threat and rim pressure threat on the... Like, he his problem... His problem is I think he wants a team that's going to be his. No, I, his problem with, with Indiana isn't that, like... He... I think he knows he's not, like, a number one offensive threat. His problem with Indiana is that they keep, like, clearly undervaluing him, like... In their media sessions, they're just like it's very clearly that even though I think he's like a more impactful player than Sabonis, uh, like they just like I've said it before, I like him more as a player than Sabonis. Like Sabonis (laughs) just gets all of the credit. Uh, Yeah, their fans just all they act like Sabonis is this bona fide star. I I think it's very much a this is just not a fun place to be for me more than it is a uh, I feel like I deserve twenty shots a game thing. Like I don't, I don't think that's the motivation there. Um, yeah, but but, but I mean, the, he's definitely you know what you're getting with Miles Turner. Whereas Patrick Williams is still second; he's out for the second year of his league. So when he gets back next year, it's going to be a second year. He's still 20 years old. And like there's a lot more maturity and growth to come in. But I'd rather take that gamble with Patrick Williams over Miles Turner, where you know what you're going to get. I like, I love Miles Turner as a player. I just don't see it. Don't see him being what the Pistons need right now. You make me sad. All right, deal number three. You'll have to tell me where this one ranks for you. Jeremy Grant for probably Gallinari just to make the money work. Uh, yep. And then either, I think, Reddish and a pick, a Kongu and a pick, or I think both kids. I don't think Gallo has much trade value here. He's been pretty <laughs> yeah, bad. No. I think uh, so they they're trying time. to shop Reddish. Uh, because they're going to have to pay him. He's starting to yeah. come into his own. I don't think, like, my my personal value for Jeremy Grant has been, like, two median first-rounders. So I think Reddish is probably worth one, and then a Kongwu is, like, I think if you can get a Kongwu and Reddish together, that's, like, a, an absolute steal, and I'm probably willing to throw some, like, second-rounders back uh, to make that work. I, You know me, I love a Kongwu. That would be the seconds? absolute, like, gem for me. Where, where are so, you on that? I am, I don't know. I really am not a giant fan of Cam Reddish. I don't think that would, I think have you, have a you lot of people. Have you had a chance to watch him, like, this year, though? I haven't watched him this year much, but I watched him a bit last year. Because, like, he's he, actually he's, become, like, the Cam Reddish that was promised. Like he's yeah. he's he's threatening the rim. He's he's driving. He's become a defensive he's player. Better. Like I can see that. Like he's he's become, like, he's he's now like a a, a Sadiq Bay like level asset. I think. Okay. 
So he and he's wow. he's young, like like he's a good defensive player. He's he's really pressuring the rim. The shots cut like he's starting to be a thing. And the reason he's on the market now is that the Hawks don't want to pay him eighteen million dollars mm-hmm. a year or whatever. So if you and that's that's the one leverage that the Pistons have is that like if we trade this guy to you, we're gonna have to commit cap to him. So like there's you know there's some value arguing negotiating there. Yeah. I think personally, if you can get both Okongwu and Cam Reddish, then I'm definitely down, and it's probably my favorite, you know, trade that I've seen so far. If you're just getting one or the other, it's not my favorite if, of if you the get, trades. If that you I've seen. get one plus a pick from the Hawks, I don't, I haven't checked which picks they have available, but assume you get a pick, probably a I'm middling to see first rounder. See, <laughs> I'm just looking at their uh, stuff on Trade NBA and. They have an OKC first rounder, and I'm like, how did that happen? So, depending on what pick did they we get, then I might change my mind. Trade but... for Gallinari? Was that a tr- sign and trade? I have no idea. Or but it he says was on the Clippers. They get a mind. first round of the OKC. So that's where I'm like, what trade? What what assets do they actually have? Interesting. But yeah, if I can get, if I get one of them in a first, like if I get you know. The Cam Reddish plus Gallinari for a first. If it's one of their first or an equally like, good pick, then then yeah, I'm for it. If it's you know a Bucks pick, a Lakers pick, like not a good first round pick, then then nah, I'd rather probably have the wow. There's the Chicago pack. I didn't realize they were doing that bad. No, they're the tenth pick. Yeah, they they're they were awful this they're year. Sixteen like, they've and twenty. Been, which I mean, Trey Young has been awesome, but. Yeah. Things haven't clicked quite as well. Yeah, yep. for for me personally, Okongwu is the highest value asset in any of these trades. I love any of them. Wow, I I like Turner, really but Okongwu, like I yeah. think Okongwu is that good. Where in two years he can be giving me stuff, and like I, you know, he's just earlier in the career than than Turner is, and I think eventually he can be an equivalent impact. So I I love Okongwu. Behind Ev- yeah, behind Evan so. Mobley, he's the best defensive prospect I've ever seen in college. Wow! And Evan Mobley just happens to be Evan Mobley. <laughs> yeah, and they just had and USC just happened to have them back to back. I mean, I'll say that I had I've not I can't really tell you much about Akangu. I haven't seen much of him. I know he's very talented. Well, the problem um, is he he had the foot injury last year, so he broke his foot. So he didn't he hasn't like played at all. Yeah, and he he has another niggling thing this year. So he hasn't. I mean, like he's had like thirty NBA games. Let me check. I bet he's. I bet it's under fifty. Mm-hmm. But still, regardless, I personally. Oh, I was Patrick wrong. Williams is my favorite of all the prospects. Fifty-four. That we mentioned here. I. I just like what he can bring to the table. I like what he's we've seen so far with him in the Bulls, and I think he could be a good player if he gets healthy. So that's where I. I can see I can see Patrick Williams fitting around the people that we already have in the Pistons. I can see how he would does, work in there. Does Pat Williams cause a conflict if you're playing? In theory, you'd be playing a a, a Killian, Cade, Sadiq, Pat Williams mm-hmm. plus Stu. one Stu lineup. Is that enough? Now you'd have next year's draft pick, whoever that is, likely going to be a big man. Um, yep. almost all your picks at the top of that draft are going to be uh, either fours or fives. But is that enough? I mean, 
I think so. Okay. Personally. I, I think I, I like Patrick Williams a lot. I, I so warn people I think that's, away from overrating Patrick Williams a little bit because he's like he's not defensively what people think. Like mm-hmm. he's he's kind of in like the Seku zone of like really good tools but like really raw and needs a lot of like figuring it out. And when he when it clicks, it clicks in big ways. He's really impressive. And when it doesn't click, you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's, you know, he's he's got a lot of of developing to do, but he was also one of the youngest players in his draft. So, I just I don't want to yeah. I don't want people to think that you're getting like the next LeBron because that's how some people like. I know. Uh, I don't think, think that at all. They're like, oh my I, god, look at him! He was like the number four pick, and he was, or like they think he was like Scotty Barnes. Maybe that's a better yeah, maybe if, that's a better way to compare it than LeBron. I I, I mean, I'm being uh, hyperbolic. There, I mean, right but, now in terms of. If we traded for Patrick Williams, he's still behind easily. Kate, of course, and Sadiq, in my opinion, in terms of like what I expect out of them. Now he's younger. And this hand thing does really complicate it because I think if he was healthy, like right now, I would be ecstatic to get him. Or if he was like coming back later this year. But losing this entire you know season with the I think it's a wrist injury is tough, and you hate to see that for a young player. But I like his talent. I think he's shown a lot of good stuff on kind of a weird situation last year in Chicago where they had they picked up Vooch, they had you know Levine going off like he was he was put into an interesting role but I thought he played pretty well last year and I think he's he's not going to be the best player on your team he's not going to be the second best player but probably not could it be like fourth third banana enemy would be third I could see it I mean I I, I yeah. think that there's there's uh, there is a pathway for him to be you know, one of the uh, a legitimate, you know, playoff scoring threat, etc. But it's just it's a long way, and it's it's not the straightest road compared to some other prospects. Uh, I would do any of these three deals. I'm pulling the trigger on any anything anything we've talked on talked about. I would take for mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant. Um, yeah, just makes sense. All right, which sucks. Last segment of the day. Bringing it back. Yeah. Conference play is starting. means prospect evaluations starting to stabilize, uh, which means we're going to bring prospect of the week back. These mm-hmm. evaluations are definitely going to change. That's, you know, we, we might do... Uh, Webster has, has chosen who today? Uh, Paolo Banchero. Okay. Uh, so, so Webster has chosen Paolo today. We will assuredly be talking about Paolo more and more Yep. Uh, since, you know, he's, uh, just, just spoiling the, uh, uh, the bit here. He's, he's probably the number one guy on most people's boards, maybe number two, uh, he's occasionally number, number three. So, um, what do you know about Paolo Bancaro? I have watched the Gonzaga game. <laughs> That's a pretty good game to watch in, in fairness. Yep, that it was, was a damn good game to watch. <laughs> It was phenomenal, and I saw some moves out of him that I have not seen a whole lot of college players do. And even despite kind of the cramping that he went through in that game, my God, is he big and athletic. Yeah, yeah that the cramping shit is, I, I haven't seen it if it's popped up in other games yet, but he did it the first game against uh, was that Kansas they played the first one. Which one did you guys play? 
Uh, we played Kansas. They played so it was Kentucky. Kentucky. I, I can never ever. I take it back. I guess I watched that game it. too. Now I think about it. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I forgot I watched I, that. I, game. I knew you would have watched that one, and that was another damn good Paolo game. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Uh, now I think about it. Yep. <laughs> that the, he he loves the stutter rip, which is like draft Twitter's like favorite move. Uh, do you know what the stutter rip is? Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's like the it's like the dream shake version of the. Uh, of driving you know it's it's a it's, it's like a, an up and under kind it's of a rip start. it's a fake it's a rip through fake rip through again and then you you do a dribble move usually and he had a he hit one on uh probably would have been one not one no more um <sighs> names all blend together it'll come to me in the wrong time no but idea. he he hit one on on one of kentucky's better defenders uh, for a mid-range shot that like I clipped that one and that one blew up. It was he is an impressive player. What what stands out to you from from Paolo? I just raw athleticism and you know the ability, the moves that he already brings to the table. Like <laughs> like already he looks like he could jump into an NBA game and you know be in a starting lineup and probably be the fourth best starter for most teams in the NBA. Like. <laughs> like the like just natural ability that he brings to the table especially you combine that with the coaching that he's going to get uh from coach k even if it is his last year and he's probably halfway out the door and i need to down talk coach k a little bit but, uh i just think overall like he is a can't miss prospect just based on pure athleticism alone and then you add the talent or the uh polish into the talent and it is just it's just like Cade, where i it's, you see him I, right I, now. I don't you think it's that is that the good, best player in a year or two. So let's go over quick. Oh, the, the, he's not at Cade's level, but I'm saying he's on the same like uh, he de- he's definitely got that like yeah this dude out. should be in the NBA like level of production. Um, let's do the measurables real quick. He's he's playing nominally as a four, a power forward. He is six ten, uh, presumed like seven foot ish, one ish wingspan. Um, so maybe a plus two, plus three, not elite, but not terrible. Uh, around 250 pounds. So apparently he sweats off seven pounds a game or something ridiculous, uh, wow. which is hence the cr- the cramping, which is, again, ridiculous. He is a little older for this class. Um, we'll talk about some other prospects later. Uh, a younger prospect will be like draft age right around 18. And he's draft age 19.6 years. So he'll be almost as old. Like Jaden Ivey is a sophomore uh, from Purdue who will go in the in the top area. And Ivey's only a couple of months mm-hmm. older despite being a sophomore. So that is something to consider with Paolo is, is you know, part of his draft is, or his uh, polish is that he's a little older. Um, really powerful athlete, right? Not maybe the, the biggest um, uh, jumpy jump guy. Still capable, but not not the the most vertical burst, um, but pretty good lateral burst, pretty good like mobility when it comes to like moving his feet for for a guy who's six ten, but just I mean the two fifty is you feel it right he he plays like the mm-hmm. young Carmelo with the the bully ball moves he's got a post game that's pretty impressive, um, his handle at that size is is the thing that really stands out to people. Uh, lots of advanced dribble moves, handles it in transition, handles it in pick and roll, handles it in isolation. He's been one of the better isolation scorers in college basketball, especially considering his height. Um, yep. He's, 
interesting and in that like he is like a what I would consider like a point player. And when I say point, I mean not just like a guy who play makes, but like a guy who brings the ball up and initiates offense and like does the point guard stuff. Um, but he's not that uh, high volume and assist guy. So he's at two point two assists mm-hmm. to two point two turnovers right now. So there's definitely some like playmaking flashes to his game that are really impressive. They're not necessarily being used well. I do think he does what I I would consider like escape passes. So like he dribbles into traffic and then finds the the dump off instead of like reading and predicting and and manipulating. Um, you know he's a good connective passer at times, but not necessarily a, a you know he's not. He, you would hope if he was going to be like. Like the comparison you're going to hear a lot for this guy is Blake Griffin, uh, especially offensively. Yep. Defensively, I think he's got a lot more to offer. But offensively, you're going to hear a lot of Blake Griffin. And like, if you were going to get that, you would really hope to see these assist numbers at like four or five to two. Um, that would that yep. would be what would really be like. Oh yeah, this this is a dude who's getting it. Um, you know the seven the seven rebounds he's a game it. is good. <laughs> Not incredible. It's he's really not much of an offensive rebounder right now. Um, I think that's more because he's doing a lot of the shot taking, <laughs> so there's not mm-hmm. as much uh, rebounding to be had. The efficiencies are a little funky. Um, he is a, a shooter. He's really good in the mid range. He's only around thirty three percent in uh, from three. He takes a good volume, not a great volume. He's an eighty three ish percent free throw shooter on good foul drawing volume. Mm-hmm. When I break down his shot, there's some really good-looking things. Like, I think for the most part, his elbow's good, but he gathers it to the left of his face. Not ideal. And he's got some rhythm issues. He's a guy who very clearly, like, learned to shoot by shooting pull-ups from mid-range, you know, in in AAU and stuff. So, like, this is not a guy who's taking a lot of catch-and-shoots from three. He's got to figure out his power generation. Um, I, I have reasonably high hopes that he'll be like a 36% shooter in the NBA, like that he'll do okay. I don't know yet if we're going to see, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure yet that he's going to be like, like Blake Griffin got to like 40% at one point, you know, like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're going to see that or not, but yeah. if we're seeing, I want to expect that. No, if we're seeing the isolation though, and we're seeing, you know, if you're seeing the inside out bully ball game and it's just being kind of accented by you know, a three or two a game, that's fine. Like, I think you're pretty happy with that. All in all, I'm. I think. I'm. I'm torn about where he is on my board, um, personally at this point, just because I think all three of the guys that are at the top, him, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren, have uh, like different values to your team building. Like, I think he is mm-hmm. a guy that like clicks right away with Cade and like you have this dribble handoff operator and this guy who can, who can run inverted pick and rolls for you. And like a Cade Banchero two man game just becomes like devastating immediately. Like he is a legitimate lob threat, even if he's not the best vertical athlete. Um, I think he can play the five defensively. We didn't talk much about him defensively yet, but like, um, he gets good block and steal generation numbers. Uh, I think he moves his feet laterally well enough. I think he can play small ball five. I don't think you want to do mm-hmm. it to him all the time. I think you want to play him at the four. But like I think that's yeah. a, I think that you could easily close a game with a Killian Cade, Sadiq, someone, and Paolo, and be totally happy with that. 
Um, yeah. I think he's maybe the lowest like total ceiling guy of the three, but probably one of the higher floor guys and maybe one of the guys who like has most easily translatable, consistent. Like I know almost exactly what Paolo's going to look like right away in the league, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to still look like that six years down the line and just be like more efficient at it and that you'll be happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the other guys have a few more questions about them than, than Paolo does, but like if Paolo becomes, you know, a, a 50, 36, 85 guy, you know, efficiency wise and gets you, you know, 18, 7, and 4, like that's awesome. Right? That, as, yeah. you, as your number two guy, that's awesome. And I think that's kind of what he is. And I think most people are going to be pretty happy with that. And it'll be interesting to see where he falls. Uh, big board wise and kind of what the noise says coming out of uh, the combine time and, and the draft um, season, just where, mm-hmm. you know, he, he is kind of a fascinating question for like where Troy Weaver, especially rates him. Cause I think there's some other guys that have some very Troy Weaver traits, but also some like things that I think Troy Weaver would hate. And I think yeah. Powell's a guy who has some interesting traits, except for the fact that he's not like the freak athlete which is something that we generally think of as being a Troy Weaver, like, plus-plus trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that Troy's looking for in the draft. You said he's number one on your board? At the moment, he is. Have you seen the I other think... two yet? You said you watched the Gonzaga game, so I, you've I, seen I, a little I, bit of chat. I watched chat. Have you seen I have Jabari not seen yet? Jabari Smith. Now, I've seen Jaden Ivey, and I like Jaden Ivey a lot, too. Although, Jaden Ivey's obviously, his game translating to the NBA is not the same, but... We'll talk about Jaden Ivey at a, at a later date. So I, I yep. right now he's tentatively number one on my board as well. But I, I think, think if I had to make likely to if, change, to be honest with you, if I had to make a bet now, what I expect to happen in April is that he'll be the first pick, though. You think so? <laughs> it's Duke guy. It's the, I don't know who's going to be the number one pick, but I think I don't know who like what team's going to be drafting there. But if I had to make an assumption, that would be who I would say would be unless. Like Jabari Smith going off, Chet Holmgren really, you know, shows the potential that he has. Like it could change, but if I was betting on it now, I would take all the Paolo. So my, he's got a fun name. He's from Duke. My it's one case last year, like really big concern to Paolo, is that he has really strange hands. Not like yeah, I, think not I like, saw this on not Twitter. Like not, aesthetic, not like aesthetically, someone. but like yeah. he fumbles like, the ball. Like if you if you watch a Paolo highlight tape. You don't even have to watch like full games. If you just watch like mm-hmm. a full game highlight tape, um, you know, like especially one of like the every touch ones where you like see his turnovers and stuff, you'll just notice that like he catches the ball and bobbles it, and he does that thing where like he has to like spin the ball to the right place in his hand all the time. Like he just has, I don't know if they're small hands, I don't know if they're weak hands, I don't know if he's rushing his hand eye stuff, doing the like, you know, trying to run before he catches type thing. Um, this is something that that some other people have have you know kind of confirmed that they see it too. But that's one of the the things where like, if I thought his hands were better, it would give me a lot more confidence that the efficiencies are going to eventually rise. It would give me a lot more confidence that his ball handling is going to rise. Like some of his turnovers are because of this. Um, mm-hmm. So I I think that's one thing that I am kind of interested in. And I, like I I don't know anything about like how you would train that either like i don't yeah. know how you train yeah, there's not really much you can that court like some <laughs> things you can 
and like it might it might be that like you get those like goggles that have the uh like strobe goggles and you just like start catching tennis balls like it might just be like you have to rewire your brain to like better hand i I don't know um i'm (laughs) sure if you get the right trainer paired with them you can correct it but it's one of the it's like that is the biggest like in in one of the very few like actual red flags on his profile for me mm-hmm. all right you got anything hey. left to say i think we've said all we need to say all right then we will hopefully do this again next week have you picked out which prospect we want to do next week I have not yet, so it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise to to you guys and and to me. Uh, likely twelve <laughs> minutes before the podcast, when I say, "Hey, have you picked a prospect of the week?" And Webster says, "I mean, I, I could pick someone right now, but it's just more fun." <laughs> I have I have a couple names in my head. That's uh, they're going to be they're going to be top picks, but okay, I have some other people in my head. All right, well, so. we'll find out uh, probably sometime around next Tuesday, if I had to guess. And uh, yep. so we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye. Actually, it will oh. not be next Tuesday because I'm going to an NBA game next Tuesday. Oh, look at him. Look at him. The Braggot. The Braggot. I get, get to see the Wizards hopefully beat the Thunder. So. Not even All right. the Pistons game. He's going to watch the fucking Wizards. <sighs> beat the Pistons. What? What am I? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so maybe not Tuesday. Talk to you guys later. Doesn't matter. Goodbye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.